I, I, I encourage it. Um, I feel like sometimes the donkey that Jesus is riding on getting clapped, but um, I appreciate it, appreciate it. <laughs> Before I start my message, I'd just like to welcome everyone here to the centre, but I want to make a special welcome to one of our members, Joe G, and her whanau. Um, Joe's dad passed away on Tuesday, and um, her whanau are wrapping around her to support her, and same with us, we totoko you, we fully support you. Um, and just want to acknowledge you and your whanau being here this morning. It's fantastic to have you guys here. Um, watch out, church. A couple of them are on fire. Um, <laughs> I'll be out for you. But, um, yeah, just really wanted to, to do that first and foremost. Amen? Um, <clears throat> it's funny. My message is actually called Seek First the Kingdom of God. It's the first time I've ever had a, a title. I don't know other preachers come up with titles, but for me, I get the title first. Like, I get a title, and that's all God will give me is a title. And this time he gave me the scripture. And I thought, that's different. Hey, he gave me a scripture. Yeah, and I thought, oh, I can't go wrong with that. And um, I'd usually like to make them rhyme or I like to make them, hey, you know what I mean? Like sort of thing, but this is it. And um, it's been something that's been on my heart. Um, so I just want to pray before we start. Lord God, I just thank you, Father, that you are almighty, Lord God. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that today you're speaking not to minds, Lord God. You're speaking to hearts and spirits, Lord God. You're piercing hearts today with your word, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, for a word in season for everyone here. Lord, that you get hold of this word, Lord God. You get hold of it and you wrap yourself around it and you deliver it in a personal way to every single person, Father God, Lord. And I thank you for revelation and to receive from your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. I do believe in that. I believe God's got a personal message for everyone here. That's how he works. He broadcasts. Hey, I broadcast and then he narrowcasts and he works it out for you. Um, so yeah, seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, And all things, these are the two words I want to focus on, all things shall be added to it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added to it. See, when we seek first the kingdom of God, he takes care of our business. When we're about God's business, God is taking care in the background of our business. Too many people these days seeking things. They're seeking things and then trying to add God to it. Come up with some ideas and go, yeah, this is us, God, bless it. And it may not be God, but they seek things. You know, we can't seek things and then add God to that. It's that I call seeking the thingdom. Of world of the world, it is. It's a thingdom, hey. And you'll hear through this message things, things, things. Everyone's worried about things and stuff, hey. It's the thingdom of the world, and the thingdom of the world doesn't work in reverse. You don't seek first the thingdom of the world and add God to it. You can't seek the thingdom and all of God gets added to it. But you can seek the kingdom and all of the things can be added to that. That's how it works. That's how it works. You know. We all usually come to God through a need, you know, because that's how God gets our attention. You know, I don't know about you, but I had a need, you know, and usually it's something like, for me it was addiction. Addiction was what highlighted my, my need for God and what was lacking in my life was addiction. Addiction was right there, but there were lots of other problems behind that, but I just couldn't see them because I had to get rid of that one first. It might be a healing I know people have come to God because they've been healed. You know, they've been, they've been sick or they've been crooked and, and God's moved in their lives and, they, and they've had a need that's been met. 
You know, it might be through our minds, through depression, and, and God comes and heals. It might be provision, you know, you need money, and God solves it. Whatever it is, you know, God will meet our need, but here's the thing. He doesn't want us to be needy. If that makes sense. Like, God will meet a need, but that's not like, okay, God, well, thanks, what's next? What's next? No, I need this, no, I need that. It translates. It starts to transfer from what, what God can do for you to what you can do to God. You know, and, and there's a transition in that, you know. So, yeah, I like that, you know, like, because I know for a fact that sometimes we, we all have needs, but let's not put them at the, the forefront. You know, too many people seeking the wrong things these days. They're trying to be fulfilled, or they're trying to fill themselves with empty things. You can't fulfill yourself through empty things. You will only fulfill what you're filled full of. So, so what are you full of? You know? Okay. Yeah. Too many people worry about things. Money. Cars. Belongings. Property. Clothes. Image. Image. Image is a big one these days, man. Everyone's concerned about their image, eh? And how they look. You know, um, I remember when selfies first started coming out. Hey, everyone started taking selfies. My daughters took so many selfies, I was like, man, do you not remember what you look like? Mate, you look the same as you did in the last one, but your lips are a little bit funny. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and it's just from a different angle, but you look the same, girl. Okay? And it says in the Bible, people will become lovers of them selfies. Hey, people will become lovers of them selfies, and that's, that's a big part of it. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, it's good to love yourself. You've got to love yourself, but healthy, hey. It's got to be a healthy balance, man. You can't love yourself too much that your, your heads are in the clouds. Yeah. People have died trying to take selfies. Yeah. Yeah, they go on all these crazy, like, and, and fall off and die. Anyway. They then go and head and, uh, do you remember, hang on, before I go, do you remember when people used to hide from photos? Do you remember when no one wanted their photo taken? Hey, I'm from that generation, man. My mum, my mum cut all the heads out of her photos because she didn't like the photos. So she, she, so we'd pull all these photos out and mum's head would be missing. She'd just have cut it out because she didn't want to be in the photo. You know, we, we, used, to, we used to hide, hey. You know, people could have a photo, they'd run away. And, and then it would take you weeks to, see, to get it developed and see if it actually worked. Yeah. I've got a funny story. When I was a young fella, um, I was at college, and I was in fifth form, and we were going for school photos. And uh, my class was the first class to go in. And so what they would do is they would have you lining up all the classes, and one class would come in at a time. Once their photo was taken, they would walk out. The next class would come in. So I was the first class, and I'm standing there. Pretty serious look, you know, though. Took that, they said, off you go. As I'm walking out, my, my mate's class is coming in. And I start talking to him. And my class goes. And they call them up for photos. And I was like, oh, I'll jump in your photo, bro. I'll jump in your photo. So I, I jump in his photo. And this time I'm a little bit like, a little bit smart, eh? you know? And then as I'm walking out, I was like, I might see how many I can get in. And so I jump in the next class. And I, I got in every single class photo that year, every single class. And by the time I was like this, my last photo was like, and, um, 
And it was really funny because they put them all up in the foyer. Hey, all the different classes, and I was in all of them. All of them. Love being in the photos. Love the photos. But you know, that, that, there's a lesson in that too. You can't take anything for face value. There was a picture of me. I wasn't in that class. You know, I was, so you can't take everything for face value. Anyway, you know, getting back to the, to the self stuff, you know, and then people take photos of themselves and they post every aspect. And I'm talking about a certain generation, just, just every aspect of their life online. Every single thing about them online. That's okay. But then they put these images up and then they let strangers comment. You know, and let strangers' opinions shape and form how they see themselves. You know, to me, at the end of the day, you need to find people that you trust. You need to find people that will speak life, hope, truth into your life. Not some stranger who has no credentials at all, but we do. We let strangers, you know, have an impact on how we see ourselves. And that's why you've got to be careful who you're hearing from. You've got to, you know, because all of a sudden you start determining your self-worth by some stranger's comments. Jesus determined your worth. He said you were to die for. He would give his life for you. That's how much you're worth. That's what I want to listen to. I don't want to listen to some stranger saying, hey, bro, you're too fat. Don't go to the, you know, go to the gym or whatever it is. Hey, doesn't matter what I post up, you know, someone's going to slag me off. So I don't care. I go to people who, who care about me, who know me, who know my life and who I trust. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care what gets online. And to be honest with you, I've only got one friend on Facebook. Yeah, thanks for accepting that. Thank you. Yeah. The others mustn't have seen it yet. Nah. No, I'm boring. I don't post anything. But, you know, we live in a culture of hearing too much from too many. We hear too much from too many. Who are they? I hear this a lot. Oh, they said this. They, who are they? Who are they in my life? You know, really, oh, who are they? I will listen to, to people, man, because I'll tell you why, because I don't know everything. Hey. Just pulling the curtain back a little bit. I don't know everything, so I'm happy. You know, I'm learning things every day. Yeah. But, you know, people start having a source of information. They start looking for, for, for hearing from different people. You know, and people start putting trust, their security, and their faith in things. Things are never going to be enough. You know, in Job 8.14, it says that man puts confidence and, and trust in things that are like a spider web. Just no substance to it. Just fall apart at the first sign of trouble, the first sign of anything happening. Whereas God will live, let us live above that. You know, in this uncertain, unstable time, you need to put your faith in things that have substance, man. It's got to have some substance to it. And to me, if I'm going to put my faith in something, it's going to be a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's going to be a God who endures forever. It's going to be a God who will never leave me nor forsake me. It's going to be a God that reached down in the pit and picked me up from the miry clay and placed my feet upon a rock, a foundation that I can stand on and I can speak out of, I can live out of, I can act out of, I can respond out of, and God gives me everything I need. That's where I'm going to put my faith. You know, I want to put my faith in a God that has a plan and a purpose for me that has called me by name, before I was born. 
That's the God that I want. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's the thing. We fill our lives with empty things sometimes and wonder why it's not enough, you know? Yeah, right. I'm going to go on to a story now around Job. Uh, Job's a man in the, in the Bible who I absolutely love. I love Job, man. And I always, Job always makes me feel better. Hey, when I read Job, I always feel better because if you read the story of Job, that man got tested. That man went through the ringer. Okay, so I'm just going to start off with it. Job 1. What a way to start a scripture. God says, Job, the greatest man of all the East. Imagine God saying that about you, eh? Which he does. But the greatest man of all the East. So this man, you know, this man was considered one of the most godliest men in the nation at that time. In Job 1.6, it says that God's having a meeting with the angels and Satan turns up. Could you imagine that meeting? Hey, you're, you're turning up as an angel to meet with God and Satan turns up. You're like, who invited him? Who invited him? He was there. John, uh, one, uh, Job 1, 6, it says, God says to Satan, where have you been? What have you been up to? And he says, I've been walking to and fro uh, across the earth. Hey. And if we read 1 Peter 2, 8, uh, 5, 8, Rich, hey. and it says, you know, be, be careful of him because he, 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 he walks around seeking whom he may devour. You know, hey. seeking whom he may devour. I put an emphasis on that word, may devour, you know. He, he isn't as powerful as, as he's made out to be. You know, he, he may seem ruthless, but he's also toothless as well. You know, like we, we may, whom he may devour. So anyway, um, God then says, hey, so while you're walking around the earth, did you see my brother Job? Did you see my man Job? And God starts boasting on him. Bro, this Job is this and Job is that. Have you, have you seen him? And then the enemy turns around in, in Job 1.9 and says, oh, yeah, but you've given him everything. He wants for nothing. You've given him everything he needs. He's wealthy. He's got a family. He's, got a, he's, he's, he's the man. Take some of those things away from him and see if he still praises you. And that's how the enemy will work, eh? So anyway... God says to, to Satan, okay, have a go, but, but like, do not harm a head. Do not harm or kill him or anything like that. Now, something I want to notice on this, you know, God, God wasn't wanting this to happen. And I had a word with Tark about this, actually, in between. You know, what you've got to remember is Job was a great man, but he had left the door open, you know, and it was actually through his kids. You see, if the enemy can't get you direct, he'll come at you any way he can through your kids, through your family, through your wife, or whatever, he will try and attack. And so what happened was, it created fear in Job. And, and there's a scripture that says, and, Job, and what Job feared most came upon him. So that was that little bit of, little bit of door that opened for, for Satan. And so Satan come in. So you check this out. So after this one day, this is one day, these people come running and go, hey, you've lost all your oxen and all your donkeys. Okay? You've got to remember, in those days, that was money. You know, oxen were like Bitcoin. You know, like it was actually finances. It was, it, it was substance. Lost all of that. Then, while he's still talking to this guy, another one comes and says, hey, all your sheep and all your servants have been slayed. 
In the same breath, they come and say, now all your camels have been raided and everything's been burnt and all your, it's just been wrecked. Then they come find all his sons and daughters had died in this house in a fire. That was all in one day. I feel I've had days like that sometimes. Eh? Not that extreme. I mean, my camels are fine. But, um, <laughs> but, but I've had, you know, hey, we've had some issues. And you can sometimes fall into that, oh, what next? Don't fall for that. That's what Job fell for. Oh, my gosh, what next? What I greatly feared the most has come upon me. So anyway, you've got to remember, oh, sorry, yeah. And then in Job 1.22, after all of this, Job gets down on his knees, worships God, and says, I praise you, God. I praise you, God, you are God. After all of that. Anyway, he got persecuted, man. So that's, that's not the end of it. Okay? So he got wiped out like that. Then he gets persecuted. His three best friends come. And they say, well, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. Because you've got to remember, in those days, all of this was associated with spiritual favor. If you were wealthy and you were well looked after, that was God's favor on you. So all of a sudden, they're like, no, you've done something wrong. And they just start persecuting him, you know. And, and Job's trying to keep his heart in that right place. And then finally in Job 2.9, his wife turns around and says, because by this time he's gotten sick. He's covered in boils. He's in pain. He's in agony. And his wife turns around and says to him, why don't you curse God and die? That's some, um, that's some harsh advice. <laughs> some bad advice. Curse God and die. You know, Job lost everything, man. One after another. In the space of a day, he went through so much after it. And even with his friends and his wife discouraging him, he still would not stop praising God. He still would not stop praising. You know why? Because God has, God has enough for us to live above all of this stuff. We don't have to be pulled down into it. So he praised God. He'd lost everything. He'd lost his family, his wealth, his health, his friends, his wives, and he still praised him. He would not blame God. See, here's the thing. It's not about God giving us everything we need. It's about God being everything we need. God is more than enough. God is all things to all men. God has an answer to every problem and has gone before and straighted out crooked paths. He is the one that knows the most. And that's, you know, and that's the God that I, that I will praise. You know? But it's not about him giving us everything. Because God's not always going to give us... Because sometimes we think we want it or need it, but we don't. You know? God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah. God is God regardless of outcomes. He's not performance-based. He is it. He is everything. So I want to finish, so God restored, I'll finish this story by saying God restored Job. He restored everything back to Job, everything, um, seven times. You know, and it's, it's interesting because I've been through some times in my life where I, I feel like I'm competing with Job. Um, it's like, no, no, I'm having a hard time, Job. Um, no, no, but this has happened, Job. Um, but, you know, the thing that I love about, about Job is his faith. His faith silenced the enemy. There was the last time you hear Satan speak in the Old Testament. He was silenced by what? By Job's faith. By Job's response to what was happening. 
You know, sometimes we go through things, and sometimes it's our fault, and sometimes it's not. But I can tell you right now, whatever we're going through will be determined by our response, how we respond to things. Mm. And God is looking for a response. Hey, he's looking for a response from us all the time. I, I want to finish off with a story, and um, it's about my Uncle Matt, my Uncle Matthew, um, man, who I love. He's, he passed away a while ago now. But when I think about him, I, I, I just think, I don't know, I just, I love him, you know? And he was just such a good man. He was, without a doubt, my favourite uncle. Um, sorry, other uncles, but he was definitely my favourite. And the reason why was because, you know, when we were young, our house was a bit of a party house. If we lived just down the road from the Totra Lodge, and so everyone would come back from the pub and have parties, and we'd hear all the noise. And, and he was the one man that would come in and, and see us and play with us and look at and. Always felt secure around him. I always knew there was going to be no trouble when he was there, you know. Um, he was just one of those men that made you feel good. Anyway, he got motor neurone disease. And I don't know if you know what that's about, but it's where your whole system shuts down physically, you know, and you lose all control of your muscles and everything. So in the end, you're paralysed. But your mind and your spirit is, is all there, you know. So it's a really hard disease. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, I, I went over to visit him. I really felt it on my heart to go over and visit him and spend some time with him before he sort of, you know, passed away because it was getting pretty bad they were talking about it. So I went over there on my mission. Um, would have loved to take the aunties with me. Um, hey, put some targets on the back. But I, I went over there and I felt like you did with, with your brothers. I felt a responsibility. I felt a, a call for that. I felt like God had done everything for me so that I could do that. And I knew that that was the only place I was meant to be. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't worry about money or anything. Well, you know, we didn't have the money, but we, I went. And I get over there. And do you know something? When I walked in that house and that man was sick and close to death, he didn't care what, how flash my house was that I left. He didn't care how flash my car was that I pulled up in. He didn't care what clothes I wore. He didn't care whether my hair looked good. Although I was having a good hair day. Eh? But he didn't care. Because why? Because that didn't matter to him. What mattered was that I knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, and I was going in there to speak hope and life into that man. <clears throat> I was going there to let him know that he has eternal life, that he is worthy and accepted and loved by God, that Jesus died on the cross for him personally, not just for everyone, for him personally. And I remember that day, man, I was so grateful to God because I turned up there and said, it doesn't matter how much money I have in my bank account, it doesn't matter how flash properties I have or anything, it doesn't matter because I can't buy my way or buy my uncle's way into heaven. And all things faded. Things faded. I didn't care about things. I was seeking first the kingdom of God. And that, that's sort of how we have to live. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude, knowing that God has empowered us, man. Because I can tell you right now, there's a lost and dying world that don't even know it. And they see God as a whole load of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations when it's not. It's about him loving us and trying to guide us to the successful way of living life. I know, I ruined my life. When God gave me free will to go out and make decisions, and make, I made, I made some, some dumb decisions. But God saw past my past. He saw past my humanity. Man, and he, I know for a fact, he had this. Before I was born, he had it here. He had this here happening. 
you know. And so I sit down with my uncle and I walk in the room that night. <coughs> Excuse me. And the whole family's there, you know, and um, big Māori family, and they're all there. He was an Aussie, and I walk into the room, and they just, like, part the way and put the seat right next to him for me, and I sit down, and his eyes lit up, you know, and my eyes lit up, and they said, oh, he's been waiting to see you. He's been anticipating you coming. He's been wanting, he's been talking about you. So I sit down with him, and we just start talking. And I remember I just had such an awesome time with him for about an hour. And then when I walked out, my auntie said to me, thank you. And I said, oh, what's that for? And she said, for just talking to him and not, not being put off by how he looked. I, I hadn't quite pulled out to see how he looked for some reason. Like, he was always a big, powerful man. No, he was always a solid man. And in the morning when I went in there, I realised he had, was skin and bone. His face was all gone. His, and, and when I finally saw him, but when I was talking to him, it was our spirits that were connecting, man, because his eyes were like this. And I remember I sat down with him, and he explained how he'd had this amazing encounter and experience with God. Not learn and hear about God, experience God. Encounter him. And so he had this encounter, and it... Amazing. He could not read or write. He could not read or write. I, I know because we used to get like happy birthday cards where my name was spelt Rickrid. You know, um, he couldn't quite. So started doing this amazing poetry, just coming out of his spirit and just writing and writing and writing this beautiful poetry. I sit down with him and I ask him. He said to me, I know God. I know who God is. God is showing himself and revealed to me. I've had an amazing encounter with him. And so I said to him, well, look, I would like to lead you in the prayer of salvation. I said, probably more for my well-being than yours. Hey? But I wanted to explain Jesus because sometimes people don't realize where Jesus fits in. I never used to. I knew that God and Jesus were related, you know, but I didn't know the significance of Jesus. So I was able to share that with him. And anyway, he just came to life, man. And, you know, he passed away. And I might say, why did he have to die? Why couldn't he be healed? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. I know that he's in heaven. I know that he's living eternal. You know? Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm just going to finish with this. I write my messages out every time in, by hand with a pen. Have done since 1998. I've got them all in a box, Pastor Roll, most of them stacked up. I write them by hand, and one, because my typing's one finger and it's not that good, but two is because it helps get it in me. And I write it over and I write it over and, and I'm writing over and I'll, I'll, I'll write this over 10 times before, you know, before I preach it. And um, it's interesting actually because even when I'm writing this, like I think of, of you. I think of you. It's almost like God shows me, you know, like images of me preaching to you before I even preach. You always look way more excited in my head. Um... <laughs> Yeah, man, in my head, you're going off, man. I can hardly hear myself now. Um, but I, 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 there's a point to this. There's a reason for this. I'm, I'm, I'm not just rambling. I went to put this message together, and I couldn't find a pen. And I searched the whole house for this pen. Couldn't find it anywhere. Then I remembered, I mean, a few days ago, outside, I saw a pen on this table. I'll go get that. This pen, it was alone, and it was in the rain and in the cold, you know. 
And I, hey, and I went to go get this pen. And as I got it, I thought, will it even write? You know, like, will it work? Is it even worthy of writing? And I got that pen and I wrote this whole message out with it. I love that pen. <laughs> that pen reminds me of me. That pen reminds me of me. Lost and cold in the rain. Wondering if I could ever be used, whether I was worthy to be used by God. Hey, am I enough? Hey, and then God come down and see you're more than enough, fella. You're more than enough. And that's what he's saying to you now, every single one of you. You know, that pen, hey, that pen. I walked past that pen for about three or four days, left it in the rain. Pen abuse. Left it in the rain, but at that time, as soon as I picked that pen up and it started working, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We can be like that pen. You know, I feel like God's telling people, you're more than enough. He's called you by name. He's known you before you were born. He knows the numbers of your head. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He, he, He has more than just what the world is showing us. He has everything available, and it's, you know what? It's, it's, it's at our fingertips, man. All we need to do is go, Lord God, help me. Make some peace with God. This is not a time to live without God. Only God is going to have a way to navigate through the challenges that are coming. And I'll tell you why, because God is going to lift us up above it, and by his grace and his mercy and his love, man, we are just going to be gliding over the top of it. But we've got to connect with him first, though. Yeah? So thank you, Father God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God. Man, I thank you, Father God, Lord, that your word has been delivered on, on your spirit. Lord, you have pierced hearts, Lord God. And I thank you that as your word is spoken, your Holy Spirit is activated, Father God, Lord. So I thank you right now, Lord God. Yeah, for the peace of God to rest on this room. I thank you that you have filled this atmosphere with everything we need, Father God, Lord. And I give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we have some music, whether it's just from you, James, or the band? or I love music. I can't sing, but I love music. I gave, I gave up all my singing blessings for Matt. I said, Lord, give them to him, Lord God. Give them to him. Amen. <laughs>